0: and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank
1: you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential, where we not only dive into some amazing business conversations but as you know, I like to have some very special series where we're tackling questions that are at the top of my mind. And in 2020, I am asking the questions, why are we all beating up on millennials? And when I say we, I mean anyone from my generation or older. And uh, so I am being joined today by Colade, and Colade, I, don't, I can't even pronounce your last name, so I'm going to have to ask you to do that. But will you... First, introduce yourself and tell my listeners and viewers where you live because that's very exciting and what you do for work.
2: Okay, uh, thank you very much for this opportunity. Uh, my name is Kolade, and the last name is Oyelisi. So, uh, Oyelisi. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I get that right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I live in Nigeria and Lagos State to be precise. So, uh, I work as an auditor, external auditor to be precise. Yeah. So. Yes. Uh, Lagos is I'm mean, is in Africa, and uh, Lagos is like the major city in Nigeria as well. So, so about myself, uh, basically I'm a easygoing person who is always interested in interactions. And then, um, I graduated from the University of Ibadan, uh, with uh, a bachelor's degree in economics. And then, mm-hmm. I. From there, I began a professional course in accounting, which uh, began my career path in accounting as well. So in the field of accounting, I'm focusing more on auditing, which is uh, where I find myself now.
1: Very good. I do not enjoy the financial part of my business, so it's been, (laughs) I've had to learn how to do all my own business books, all my own accounting, it's, I'm glad there's, do it for a living I'm thankful that I have a, a great uh, you know financial person to help me along but oh, for any of you who do that for a living I <laughs> my hat is off to you I think that's very impressive
2: okay thank you very much
1: <laughs> it's very fun to have you calling in from Nigeria when I first started having uh, deciding to do these uh, these interviews I just assumed that this was maybe more of a US problem, and I don't know why I made that assumption, but I think that's part of the joy of this interview is I'm learning so much more. And I have had people from all over the world that I've been interviewing. So it's Mm -hmm. it's great to get an experience and a different perspective from someone from Nigeria. So thank you for for being a part of this.
2: You're welcome, (laughs)
1: yeah. (laughs) So Thank tell you. me, tell us. So we know a little bit about your work. Tell us a little bit about what you like to do in your free time. What you know? What are your favorite free time activities?
2: Okay, uh, my favorite free time activities can be actually local because I'm more of a gardening kind of person. I love gardening, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, I see it relates to uh, the expanse of land which we acquired over a while, and the locality in which I live and grew up in. Happens to be a developing area. So Mm -hmm. these are the things you naturally find yourself doing. And over time, it became fun to me as I just get to watch things grow and, you know, became part of me. So even now, where I'm quite busy, I still find time once in a while to involve myself in those activities. And I love traveling a lot. I do. I do. Although, uh, Business does not give me the chance to do that, but anytime I have the chance, I get to you know, enjoy the environment and nature.
1: So. I love it. I enjoy gardening very much as well, and when I moved um, across the country to where I live now in Philadelphia, I live in a very big city, and my first yeah. thought was, I will never have a garden again, but we figured <laughs> out how to have a garden. I call it my little urban garden that is uh, you know, behind my house in this alleyway, mm-hmm. and we've, we've created these mm-hmm. very small spaces to have a pretty incredible garden.
2: Yeah, that, that, that's nice. I love that. <laughs> I, I love do that.
1: too. And so you love to travel. Where are some of the places that you've traveled to?
2: Well, uh, funny enough, I've not left my country yet, uh, but within Nigeria, I've traveled to Sokoto State. That's far out of my country because Nigeria happens to be a country that that has various kind of weather. Yes, down south here is quite rainy and it's more of tropical, while up north is more of a savanna kind of region, like you find in Kenya and the likes. So, yeah, due to uh, my youth service call, I had to travel down to Sokoto. So, that's up north. And the weather is quite different from our it is over here. So, I experienced the nature, the diversity my country has to offer. And also, I've gone to all your states, Ogun states, uh, Ondo states, just to mention a few that are around here.
1: Mm hmm. And that's yeah, but- not unusual. I think even within the US, there's a lot of people who haven't traveled outside the country. When you live in a country that is so vast in terms of space, it's pretty incredible to be able to see a great deal of it, even if you haven't gone outside the boundaries of it yet.
2: Yeah, it is. And there's are still so much more yet to explore. So uh, it's, it's a journey that I will still wish to continue.
1: Very good. Very good. I'm actually, I have never been to the African continent, but I'm hoping to do so in 2020 because I work with, uh, I have some people who work with me and for me that are based out of Kenya. So I'm hoping that that will be on the agenda this year.
2: Yeah, it would be lovely to come to Africa, because a lot to offer, aside from the nature, we have lovely people over here, and they are so much welcoming to foreigners and every other person coming around to see what the um, continent has to offer, so we would love to have you around.
1: Wonderful. So yeah. tell me, one of the um, the questions that I am most interested in is how you as a millennial are consuming information. So I'm seeing a shift, especially with, in people in the US, in terms of how they are getting new information. And maybe that might be current events. Um, you know, uh, it might be, um, you know, different kinds of personal and and professional development, uh, just ongoing knowledge, what's going on in the world. How do you consume information?
2: Okay, Uh, it's actually been a rapid change to be sincere. At the beginning of my life, it was more of television, per se, and uh, probably get to see newspapers and the likes. But at this point in time, it has changed so drastically. By the time I started getting to mature, I realized I hardly watch television, Mm -hmm. The one I have in my room is actually not been used for over a year (laughs) because I'm mostly at work or due to the nature of traffic here, I spend a lot of time on the road as well. And when Mm -hmm. I get home, I would have had some things at the back of my mind that I would want to look out to check. Probably I had an information or from maybe a colleague in the office or a friend. And next thing I would just do is to browse online, use Google to check, okay probably a link that will link me to where I can get full information as I get that, or uh, probably videos, yeah, videos. Mm -hmm. And the applications, that like news applications that bring out headlines. So those headlines are what will prompt me to check them. Or these days, uh, I think millennials hardly get to use the conventional television and uh, newspaper. They are more mobile news sources. Can I get to get those informations on my phone or on my system? Because those are the things we carry around. Because we like traveling, like to be sincere these days. And, uh, and so the time we get to get, uh, the chance we have is just to focus on those informations that we want to look out to. And also, I would like to have social media maybe big role in our information source. Because even the news, uh, the news uh, mm-hmm. uh, platforms like BBC, Al Jazeera, and the likes are highly present on social media because they've realized the millennials find themselves there. So Mm -hmm. for for them to get their information and their news to the world and to get much more audience, it has to be on social media. So I think those are the major sources of our information.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that the really savvy news organizations are trying to figure out how to give information in a social media soundbite. And there's even a, um, there's a company based out of, I think they're out of um, San Francisco and they, it's a company run by uh, two millennial women and they call, I think it's called The Skim. And they try and take all the the top highlighted news uh, programs and make them very social media, soundbite accessible. And I'm trying, it's interesting for me because <laughs> I can I consume my news by the news on the television still. And See? I'm trying to read this every day as a way for me to reset my brain of where news and media is going. So it's interesting how you've said you've made that change and that you've seen it evolve. And I'm trying to evolve with it. I'm not as good at it yet, but I'm, I'm really trying because I know that that's where we're going.
2: Yeah, yeah, right there towards that point. I know it started from more of radio initially, and uh, so those transformations have been consistent. And I'm believing in the nearest future, the next generation, that would be Generation Z, uh, would have probably an advanced medium of communication to get those information across. Probably Holocaust and the likes. So
1: yeah, so true, and we don't even know what that might look like. You know the way that uh, you know technology is advancing. That you know we could be having this conversation in ten years and be talking about things that you know we can't even fathom at the moment.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how fast it's changing. And um, looking at this information, I be, I think millennials more of like catchy headlines because I notice over time headlines are beginning to change. Before you just see a little caption that can be very simple. And people will still go ahead to read the information that it contains, but these days mm-hmm. the headlines have to be something that is <laughs> even that over even that can overblow the situation. Let me put it that way. And you just be like, oh, what's this? Then the next thing is that you go to open it and realize, oh, it's just the regular information you are looking at. So I think captions is they are taking a lot in the way information are being communicated across. Yeah.
1: So. Yes, because you've got to grab people's attention and find a way to make it stand out against everything else that's uh, being bombarded at us.
2: Yeah, I also like to have, I, I realize, uh, would I say we are a little bit of short-span in attention? Yeah, mm-hmm. millennials. I, I would say because of, we have so many things that we put our minds to do across. So those headlines are the point where they can actually capture our attention from one thing we are doing, because we do a lot of things together, so they take our attention from there to that headlines. And the moment you are done with it, uh, the other things to do as well. I think that's the way it is now.
1: And that's been a real common theme, I think, of these interviews, is that you know the millennials that I've spoken to are very comfortable saying, look, we have short attention spans.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's undeniable because I, I find myself uh looking at things that are brief i like summary to be sincere mm-hmm. whereas my parents or my elder siblings would love to take books of huge volumes to read all through and i was looking for the summarized version so it's yes. evident in everything we do it's evidence <laughs>
1: In my day, in my day, long, long ago, yeah. we had, um, yeah. you know, like textbooks that were Cliff's Notes okay. versions. And they were okay. very short versions of, especially works of literature, so that you could yeah. understand the major concept, but you didn't have to read the whole thing. And those always drove me yeah. nuts because I love to read the whole, the whole uh, oh. <laughs> piece of information, which, you know, I don't have that same time anymore. We, our world moves yeah. a little faster than it did when well, I was in high school, yeah. college.
2: Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so to
1: get to the, to the meat of the discussion, this, is my, this has been my favorite question of all, is, is have you ever felt that you were unfairly characterized because you're a millennial and you know, by any, from anyone from any other generation? And if so, in what way? You know, what's, what's the biggest misconception that you feel has affected you and how people view you as a millennial?
2: Okay, uh, I think the most important one I've seen is that the people tend to view us as lazy
1: mm-hmm. and
2: inexperienced. You know, I guess uh, probably a lot of things unfolded before our time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the older people tend to um, base their judgment on the whole lot of experience they've acquired. And they tell you when you speak that, come, we've gone through this. And I've seen much more than you have seen. So you are coming from the point of, okay, yeah, I've read on this or I've made a discovery or research about something that relates to this, but they will talk to you based on experience and that uh, they believe experience to perceive knowledge, that the knowledge you're trying to acquire might not be as accurate as what they've seen upon in reality of itself. And mm-hmm. also, for me, in this part of the world, you are perceived to be lazy. And uh, to some extent, that might be somehow true, And to another extent, I believe opportunities as well have reduced over time and opportunities have changed. And there was a time globally, not just in Nigeria, I think in the world, there there were times whereby job opportunities were so much available. That would be at the advent of revolution, the technological advancement and all before IT became the order of the day. And there was little struggle between people for a position. Whereas now, uh, youths find it difficult in, to compete and then it, become, it becomes like, uh, I'll put it in the sense that if they are unable to succeed in the competition,
1: mm-hmm. they are
2: termed as lazy because, ah. yeah, and even our president, sometimes he said Nigerian youths are lazy. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's quite interesting you know, I would also connect it to the fact that uh, the informations we acquire and again, the way things operate this time around is quite different. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just about a single way to achieve an objective. Now, there are multiple ways to achieve it. For example, once upon a time, they tell you to become a successful person, all you need to do is go to school read your books, Mm -hmm. and be successful. But now we realize those who we see as successful, are more people who have gone through say, unconventional mediums for example yes. they might have been dropouts they might have gone through a lot of hardships they might have you know they might have had series of failures or they might even end up not uh, becoming successful in that particular field they studied in school so we are trying not to um, be in the position of Closing our mind to just one specific thing. We are trying to open our mind that, oh, there are various means to achieve this success. Why not give me the opportunity? But the other, other people will tell you that, no, <laughs> it has to be true this way. So I believe mm-hmm. also that, that choice has affected it in some way. There are various choices we have to make. And also, it can make us lazy because there are too much to make. And <laughs> it's a little bit complicated in the way I'm trying to explain it. But let me just hold on for now
1: no i understand i think that makes a lot of sense because you're right i think historically you know i think my my generation acts um was probably one of the first big ones to break some of those stereotypes you know because you look at the bill gates you look at um the steve jobs uh, frankly even albert einstein you know people who might not have always done the traditional school route or always been maybe the best student or had the same normal normal uh career trajectory yet they were exceptionally famous Uh, Are you know, not famous, successful, exceptionally successful. And yet I think we still think, well, that just happens to, you know, just one in a million. But I can hear what you're saying to say, but if we see that there's been examples of this, and that might be what sparks our energy or our drive, why stifle it just because it's not the norm? And why assume because I'm not the norm that I'm lazy?
2: Yes, that, that that's a good one. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes, so if way. you had, let's say you had your president sitting down and, you know, who's called your generation lazy uh, yeah. and could say, Hey, I really want you to know something about me. I really want you to know something about my generation. What would you want? What would you want him to know?
2: Okay. I want him to know that uh, given the opportunity he had, they were able to maximize it and become would they have now. And now we have much more choices to make. So the best they can do is just to encourage people to pursue those various choices they decide to choose. I might choose to go through this path. I might choose to go through this path. As far as it's within the law, as far as it's of moral standard and as far as it's not wrong, I mm-hmm. feel we should be encouraged to pursue those goals and objectives. And they should watch us and see who wouldn't achieve them.
1: I think that's wonderful because at the end of the day, we just all want to be, well, hopefully most of us want to be positive contributors to yeah. our communities and our countries and to ourselves and our lives. So yeah. if but maybe we have to look at that different, what those things are defined as. So tell me then, do you feel now you um you have a you have a really good solid career as an auditor? <coughs> do you feel that you have or maintain a good work and life balance? In other words, do you feel like you have enough time for your personal sides of life as well as your professional, or is it out of whack, and, and why or why not?
2: <laughs> this is a huge question, actually. And I will sincerely say it's no for me. It's not been so successful balancing it. And uh, I think it's more of the professional side. It's more of the work. Side where I spend most of my time, but for personal and other activities, not so much engaging them any longer, and not because I do not want to, but I guess there are lots of expectations now, and uh, there are a lot of distractions. Let me put it that way, also. So, mm-hmm. it takes principle and also a favorable conditions to achieve the balance. Well. I might not be so principled in in controlling my activities to those things that matter. And those things that matter to me also, I might find it difficult to bring in other things aside from my professional work life, like aside from my work, I'll take that as my priority. And that whatever time I have left can be used in other aspects of my life. But at the end of the day, I realize by the time I work and work, And by the time I spent hours in traffic and all of that, I would actually find very little to no time having time to hang out with family or socializing or interacting and doing those things I would love to do outside of work. So it's been a real struggle on this end for me.
1: You know, it's really interesting because except for one person that I've interviewed on this millennial series, except for one person. Every single person has said very similar to what you do. And yet there's this perception and I believe misconception that millennials are lazy and that, you know, all you want to do is play. And when I say you, I mean, you know, millennials and yet, Every single person, but one that I've interviewed, has said I have no life outside of work because I'm working so hard. So, isn't it an interesting, um, you know, dichotomy between you know what y- your generation's perceived at versus how you feel you are accomplishing that that balance? You know, it's, okay. it just blows my mind.
2: Okay, I, I think the difference will come from the point of. What the, what the new generation hacks uh, to take as priority might be different from what to we'll take as priority now aside from work we do a lot of researches on the internet probably since internet is more available these days while we are not working like officially we we'll take pa- we we'll take out personal researches on self-development we so might want to take courses uh because this day is more competitive so you always have to like advance yourself, take courses, take seminars and webinars and the likes just to make sure you are better at what you do. And uh, at the end of the day, you end up doing these things almost all through the whole time. Whereas a more elderly person will feel you go to work in the morning and you come back in the evening and that's all the major activities you do for the day. Every other time should be to hang out with families but Maybe when you come back from work, you sit down in your room with your system, you're trying to search some things online. So them seeing you press your system, your laptop will say, they will feel, oh, probably it's just on social media, it's watching ah, yeah. a video. The or assumption, you, you, yeah, <laughs> yeah you're busy doing some other activities that are very, very important, not just social activities. So when you drop your system and say you are tired, you want to go sleep, they're like, oh, come on, let's, let's chat for a little. So you just end up having a little time with them, and the rest of your time, <laughs> you get very exhausted. So you wouldn't be so chance to do those things.
1: And I think, it, it just like you said, it comes down to assumptions. It's what people are assuming because we're not asking the questions or we're not communicating. So what do you think that all of us can do, regardless of our generations, can do to facilitate better communication so we have less assumptions and we get to know more of the reality versus our perception.
2: Okay, in that regard, uh I think uh okay, maybe probably it will be from both hands, and uh they will have to understand that uh the activities we do these days might be different from what they have done during their time, but these things also yield results and maybe they look they should look at it from the point of results not from the point of the things you do because they might not understand the activities even if i get to flip my system and i'm watching a youtube video that teaches me some things every other person might think is just a random video or a movie mm-hmm. But i'm actually learning from what i'm doing so probably the result will be what to speak for us uh, but to get the best answer to solve that, probably <laughs> well, let me hear from your point of view what you think, because it's quite difficult on this end to explain that as well.
1: I think you're right, though. I think you are you are spot on, and I think the um the reality of it is understanding that things are different and they'll continue to be different. So for my generation, you know, the Gen X generation, the baby boomers did things vastly different, and so a lot of my generation was looked upon as cutting corners or they weren't as committed to their careers because i didn't want to work for one company my entire life that wasn't what i wanted to do Um, but it's different and i think that even when you think i was listening to a a speaker a couple years ago talking about the different generations in the workplace and one of the things they were talking about is even beyond gen z you know children of today will work at jobs that we can't even comprehend. We we have no idea what they they have not been invented yet. And I think that's the part of our minds that gets us stuck in these misconceptions is that if you can only think about what you know, you can't think about what else might be possible. And therefore it's easier to put people and things and experiences in a box because I know that box. But that box might be really old. That box doesn't work anymore.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you an instance. Once, okay, while I was much younger, sporting activities like football in this side of the world, although it had some relevance and it was well recognized to some extent, but a lot of parents wouldn't want to see their kids playing football tend to show some form of seriousness. So mm-hmm. when they see you playing football, they just tell you to come, come, like, just, just, get to, just get to pick your books and read and all of that. And yep. it, is, it is an engagement that could have been resourceful and helpful in the future. But those who insist on playing the football well, they might have gotten a good result from it and that's going to be appreciated. But those who were successfully stopped from continuing that football career would have lost some things if actually they had it giftings in it. So that's just a difference that occurred there. And probably by the time I get to, uh, probably when I have my children as well, and I get to see them doing some yes. things, it might look irrelevant to me as well, that you're just playing. But what, is play, uh, what, was, what could have been called play like 15 or 20 years ago, this day that play might be categorized as a profession in its own self, as you have yes. well explained. There
1: yes and so it's just that i think that openness to to look at everything as how it evolves not just how it has been as static
2: exactly exactly
1: wonderful well i certainly appreciate your perspective is there anything else that you want to make sure that my listeners and viewers know
2: okay uh also i i i would like to point this out uh i've tried to study a little bit on the Various demographic categorization, for example, the Gen Y, the Gen X, and the years intervals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would like to bring it down to Africa to Nigeria. So, I feel uh, Generation Y in Nigeria should be recategorized, okay? Yeah, to a more recent date and not just like 1995, because mm-hmm. uh. The major factors uh, that I felt might have played a major role in your uh, in the Western world categorization would have been uh, the internet, mm-hmm. technological advancements. The yeah. I remember, 9-11 was a major point here also, and uh, some other happenings that would be specific to that region. Yes, yeah, true. But in, yeah, but in Nigeria or in Africa there have been issues as regards uh, politics. Okay. Like our politi- political instability has been the major factor. So by the time internet was coming into Africa, majorly, it was well-established on the side of the world. Yes. So by the time we became open to possibilities, by the time we became open to new things and new innovations, although, yeah, it was here at the initials, but not so well-known. So by the time it became known to quite a lot of people, the Western world must have gone ahead in some years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like Generation Y on this part of the world, my hand towards early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, early 2000s. Because uh, those happenings, it's like Africa just began catching up with the world. Yeah, so there are some variations in things that have happened then that happened later year. Yes. and those things are also what sense. shaped, yeah those are what shaped our psychology and uh that's why we would also think not exactly the same time yeah
1: it's a really great point because to exactly every country every experience is going to be different and those countries they're um their trajectory is going to be different by how many resources what's going on what's availability i mean there's still a lot of parts of this world where there's not free access to information the same way and so what does that mean so just because somebody's born between a certain set of years doesn't necessarily make them in that category because it's the combined experience of that person their culture their world their environment that helps evolve them to the next level that's a really great point
2: yeah yeah so probably that would put into consideration in subsequent researches and uh developments
1: yeah
2: ah and, thank you yes yeah. so just the last thought would just be on uh i guess independence and maturity yeah uh i feel you know independence and maturity now is more of a longer term Um, activity Mm -hmm. like and okay look at it this way earlier on probably the generation x and the earlier generations people were more engaged in their family activities Mm
1: -hmm.
2: yes it was more of a tradition you pass across families but now activities come from different sources my father could be a farmer I could be a painter I could be an engineer and I decided to be a lawyer and we have families here whereby the children don't even engage in any of the professions of the parents
1: yeah so it makes sense it's
2: like yeah it's like it takes a longer time to attain maturity in professional
1: mm-hmm.
2: then because you've been engaging in these activities from quite while you're young so by the time you get towards the age of 15 16 17 you must have gained some mastery in that activity so by so by the time you are towards 20 you are taken as matured enough to fend for yourself
1: <laughs> yeah Hopefully.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, i think life the, the major aspect of life shaping happens in the university and beyond so and the most the regular age for university will be between the age of 16 to 18, most of the entry years. And uh, you'll be in university around 20 and above. And with the way the advancements are coming in, you still want to take some probably master classes and uh, mm-hmm. professional classes to advance you. So towards 23, 24, might be when you'll be picking as matured enough to fend for yourself and matured enough to be good in your profession. Yes, so I feel... along. As days as years are um, passing by, the number of years to approach uh, professionalism or maturity in profession has elongated.
1: Mm-hmm. That's yes. a really great point because, I, especially within the U.S., um, I'm seeing that now. As you're and as you're saying that, that makes complete sense to me. Whereas in my generation, by the time you were done with college if you followed the traditional plan, like you were talking about, you'd be around 21 and so 21, 22, and you're expected then to boom, be, you know, uh, in the workplace and, you know, looking to buy a house and thinking about starting a family and those things, the timelines of those have expanded. And I think that you're really great point. I think sometimes in my generation, we don't understand that instead of saying, well, hey, it's just different and there's Mm -hmm. different priorities or there's different things in the way. How about we just recognize how this is different instead of seeing that it's wrong? (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Yes. You look at, for example, uh, a lot of costs have risen so sporadically. I think almost everywhere across the world, even in developing countries, housing has become also an issue. It's quite expensive to get an apartment. Yes from information I've gotten previously and I believe apartments must have been less expensive. Accommodation should not be an issue. Mm-hmm. So yeah, before you can and so those, before you be able to say you matured at least you should be able to don't the word mature, let me put the word independent. that then is most likely you've gotten a place of your own and before you can get a place of your own you must have acquired quite a lot a, a, a huge amount of money to afford an apartment Right. Even if it's not purchased, probably rent. And so it takes a longer time, unlike before, whereby working just for a few number of years, you would have acquired so much to sustain you, to be on your own. But now even while you're working, it might still be with your parents because you know if you go independent at this point in time, <laughs> it might yeah. be a little bit of struggle. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if you can't so, afford an apartment, then, you you know, it's even that next step of where do I go to there. So yeah, I see that definitely. And yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, seeing even how much apartments are today in the US yeah. is, it's crazy. And you know, really. how do you do that and survive month to month, you know, there's, yeah. you know, My son can't even think about, you know, starting to save for a down payment on his house on a house because that's it's just not in the cards yet. So you're right; I can see that being elongated from that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kalade, I I appreciate your perspective. I think that is um, is spot on just with everything that that people are telling me. But I love you've got a couple other pieces of information that have really made me think, and especially about how we need to look at this from a global perspective because. You know, so much in the U.S. has has been driven by what's happened in our economy. It's the same yeah. thing in every other country. So to take it Ex- take it in stride in terms of what your generation knows and has yeah. access to, still is going to yeah. differ from country to country.
2: It is. It is. It is. Thank yeah. you so much for being
1: a part of my uh, of my little experiment. I look forward to staying connected with you. And uh, we'll make sure much. to have your, uh, your LinkedIn information especially available so that if anybody wants to connect with you after hearing, they certainly can. Okay.
2: Oh, I'll, I'll drop that back.
1: Wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to learn more from you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.
2: Thank you very much for the opportunity as well. So you should have a great day as well.
0: Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.